0: And the story begins. It's actually recording this time.
1: Oh yeah, I was going to remind
0: you. <laughs> Let everybody bear testimony. Okay, so we're up to chapter 20, page 231. I found chapter 20 difficult. But <laughs> More difficult than, More difficult than normal. <laughs> uh. So th- the reason why I found it difficult... The next three or four chapters are kind of one long chapter broken up, sort of. It's one subject kind of broken up, So, and it's going to really be zooming in, and, and it will get a little technical, a little philosophical, but we're going to see the relevance, and we're going to see the big picture, and it's all going to click in. But let's put our chapter into context here. Let's let's rewind to the beginning of Tanya. The goal of Tanya is to empower us with information about ourselves, about our souls, so we can develop a, a relationship with God, an internal relationship with God, not just an external relationship with God, so we can be emotionally present, not just physically present. In the words of the Torah, this matter is very close. A relationship with a God who we can't see, feel, or touch, very practical. And until chapter 17, the way we did that was through mind control. We control our impulses. We control our feelings with our thoughts. How we think impacts how we feel, kind of like CBT. In understanding ourselves and understanding our inner struggle <coughs> and understanding our souls and the tools that we have with our mind, we can develop a passion in our heart. And then we hit chapter 18 and 19, where we said our love for God is not just developed by how we think, our love for God is actually innate because there's this soul connection. There's this soul connection where we're inseparable. And because we're inseparable, that love is there. And as long as we reflect on that love, we'll, well th- that connection will be there, we'll feel it. Then we went on to say that sometimes what brings out this love are situations. When it comes to a dilemma, that a, a-, a choice in life, We're at a crossroads, and we feel that it's relevant to our inner identity as Jews. This love all of a sudden comes out, because beforehand it may have been sleeping. That love, that life, that passion was sleeping and was trapped. And what wakes it up is, is a test, right? Tests wake us up and there's many stories throughout history and not even throughout history, but contemporary everyday life even within ourselves where certain areas in Judaism we don't find ourselves to be so careful. And then when it comes to that anti-Semite is giving us dirty looks, I'm a Jew. We feel so passionate about Judaism out of nowhere. So what we're trying to do within the next couple of chapters is explain that this love can be woken up and inspire us, not just to have faith, but actually to do mitzvahs, to actually observe our faith. Because until now, this love is going to inspire us to have faith, because when it comes to a question of whether I'm Jewish or not, this, this love will wake me up and I'll be passionate. But for some reason, when it comes to a choice of kosher, not kosher, Shabbos, not, or things like that, things that seem smaller... Why doesn't it wake us up in the same way? Right? Why not? Seems like there's no consequences to the smaller stuff. Seems like there's no. Okay, very good. It doesn't seem as relevant to our identity.
2: Because we haven't made meaning of it. Uh, we have to make meaning of
0: it. Exactly. We have to make
2: meaning in our lives.
0: Exactly. Understanding the relevance and understanding. The bigger picture of understanding what faith is, and that's kind of what this chap, these next three chap, four chapters are going to do. Understanding the mechanics of faith, the technicalities of faith, what faith is, will empower us, or will 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 motivate us, but will help us see.
1: It'll it'll resonate
0: with us. It will resonate, and we'll see the relevance of mitzvahs, and how. There's really no difference between faith and mitzvahs You know, I would never denounce Judaism But maybe I will denounce or not denounce but not be so careful in other areas of Judaism more specifics of Judaism and What we're gonna do Is unmask heaven a little bit Angels aren't gonna like this. We're gonna expose heaven a little bit. We're gonna expose Reality as it is from God's perspective the way he sees it. And we're going to see how these mitzvahs are relevant to our faith, relevant to our Jewish identity, as much as faith is. So when it comes to a question of faith, we wake up all of a sudden. When it comes to a question of any mitzvah, we'll also wake up. But it's all about understanding the mechanics of how it works. Make sense? So, it, will, it may get a little philosophical, but um, just hold on. Hold on tight. We're going to hold on together. Maybe a little difficult, but we're going to power through. And we're going to get this. And we're going to be very passionate Jews. And we have to remember chapter 19. And then we have exactly. Well, this is going to, so so this is going to put chapter 19 into context. Because from what we know in chapter 19 is that if there's a question, if there's a test that's relevant to my faith... I'm going to wake up, I'll be a passionate Jew. But if I feel like it's re- not so relevant to my faith, it's just any other mitzvah, quote-unquote, the smaller things, where we don't see the consequence, right? If I denounce my faith, I see a consequence. I don't feel as connected. If I denounce a specific mitzvah, or or reject a particular mitzvah, I don't see that consequence. I don't see... But it's not as personally relevant. So it
2: Sometimes it seems like people try to make it relevant, like with... Kosher. They try to explain. Well, there's health aspects to it too.
1: That's just a bonus.
0: Yeah, but yeah, exactly. It's more. It's, it's just a bonus. Exactly. It's not
1: because it's one of the
0: rules. It's it's more it's of a not, yeah. yeah exactly. I mean, it's the, not the reason for the mitzvah, but, but, but people. Right, right. But to but it's make like when you make
1: a and, they do and you don't do it exactly properly or whatever. You know, as they said, they went a bunch of handicapped. Uh, what is it, angels? <laughs> is it right? From every point of view, yeah, yeah, exactly. Something correctly.
0: So, you know, the, the core, the core of every mitzvah. What is the foundation of every mitzvah?
1: Let's do, it's
0: for your soul to enrich your soul. It's for us all to enrich our soul. And to bring, to, us, closer to, to bring us, closer to us closer to God. To have, and in other words, every mitzvah yeah, boils down
1: to, to uplifting the whatever it is. Let's for take a, a look. More holy.
0: Let's take a look on page 374. The answer is 374, chapter 33. And I absolutely love this quote. quote, There's a quote from the Talmud. I love it. It's really... If you guys are accustomed to writing in your books, I would tell you to underline this. 374, the third to last paragraph, or second to last bold paragraph. Um, You see it? And this explains the teaching... Of our sages of blessed memory, 613 mitzvahs were given to Israel. But Havakuk, Havakuk, who was a prophet, came and hinged them on one. We'll discover what that one is in a second. So there's 613 mitzvahs. That's a lot. It may feel burdensome. It may feel daunting. It may feel overwhelming. There's so much. So Havakuk, Havakuk, the prophet, came and he said, I'll simplify it. I'll narrow all these down, mitzvahs down to one and if you access this one mitzvah, you have them all. And this is the core of mitzvahs. Faith in, God. faith in God, right? He hinged them on one, as the verse states, the tzaddik will be enlivened by his faith. When we have faith, we have life, we have passion behind our mitzvahs. In other words, it's as if there was just one mitzvah, namely the mitzvah of faith in God alone. Because it is through faith alone that you come to observe all 613 mitzvahs.
1: But only the tzaddik will be enlivened by its faith. What about the rest of us?
0: So another way to, to, to interpret that is the tzaddik, depends on how you pronounce it in Hebrew, the tzaddik gives us life, gives us that faith. Oh. The tzaddik, and, and that's kind of the, we touched upon this last week a little bit, the, the job of a tzaddik Moses was referred to as a faithful shepherd because, besides him being an honest person, he fed us with faith. He was a role model. A tzaddik is a role model. A tzaddik is a mentor, a teacher, and gives us these tools. And very practically, the author of the Tanya, right? He's giving us faith through this book.
1: And then the next paragraph talks about what we're going to learn about tonight when you're grounded in a non dual faith. Exactly. Exactly. Is there a
0: mitzvah that says you will believe in God? Very good question. Very good question. That was going to be the next point I I was going to discuss. Is there a mitzvah to have faith? Is there a mitzvah to believe in God? According to many halachic um, commentators, early halachic commentators, there is no mitzvah to have faith in God. There can't be, because there would be be no point to that mitzvah. Because if I'm observing that mitzvah, then I already believe in God, and He doesn't need to tell me to believe in Him. And if I don't believe in God, what is a commandment from God to believe in Him going to help if I don't believe in Him? Does that make sense? So many say there's no mitzvah to believe in God because if God tell if I don't because if I believe in Him then He I don't need the mitzvah, I already believe in Him, and if I don't believe in Him, the commandment to believe in Him isn't gonna help.
2: And anyway,
1: you've got your connections.
0: And so that's the deeper reason. The deeper reason why there's no mitzvah is because you don't have a choice. Because it's there. It's there. It's there. Well,
1: and without him,
2: there's what, nothing else. What, what was the... Uh, I remember we talked about this a
0: few months ago. What, what was the real meaning of that mitzvah then? Okay, so the real, mitzvah, the, the real mitzvah is... You already believe in him, like Sharon said. The real mitzvah is to actually internalize. Internalize that faith. And if you look in the words of Maimonides... It's to make it your own. To make it your own, right? If you look in the words of Maimonides, Maimonides says in his halachic code, because Maimonides took all the laws of the Torah and he, he, he um, organized it. And he says the very first mitzvah, he says, is to know God. To know God, not to believe in Him. To take that faith that you have innately and to know it. What does to know mean? Knowledge in chapter 3 of Tanya. Chapter 3, let us let's quickly jump to chapter 3. Towards the end of chapter three, I don't have the page, but this is important. Sixty-two. Sixty. Okay,
2: sixty-two.
0: Let's see. Knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. Das. Das means knowledge. Um, the middle bold paragraph. The term das, which means knowledge, implies bonding and joining. When Adam and Eve were intimate with one another, the Torah doesn't use the word intimate. The Torah used the words. Yoda, they knew one another Da'as To know God Means to be intimate with Him In other words, the mitzvah is not to believe in God Because we already have that faith within us The mitzvah is to be intimate Intellectually, emotionally, and behaviorally With that faith that we already have within ourselves So
2: you
1: have to know yourself
0: Knowing ourselves. bottom line Ooh, the, so uh,
2: in in the Torah, whenever it says to know, it means that means. things I remember, I think it was the last parsha with the
0: um, in Sodom and Lot. It said that the people wanted to get to know Lot. Um, I don't know. Good question. <laughs> Maybe. Well, that's actually that is what they wanted. They were they were that. I mean, that was part of the. That's kind of why they were going to be destroyed. That was their attitude. Yeah. Definitely. Good point. So is
2: the Vahapta is that a is that a mitzvah? You shall love the Lord your God? Yes. It doesn't say you shall believe in.
0: Good, it good. Okay, very good point. So where does love and awe fit into faith? In okay. faith. okay, good. I'm glad you mentioned that. And for this we're gonna look in text one on our sheets here. Oh John I didn't send you the sheet before, I'm sorry.
1: Hey
2: John, and uh <laughs> what what you sent me last time or is it
1: It's a different
0: one. No, it's a different one. You know what? Next time... Can I take a
1: picture of it and send it to him?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to send you a link next time, and that way you'll get it live. I sent you a PDF, but I'll send you the live thing, so you'll just have it. Oh, okay.
1: I don't think I have your phone number, John. Is that your only phone, the one you're using right now? It's on
0: WhatsApp. Yeah. Um, If you open to WhatsApp, you could just take a WhatsApp photo. It'll be easier. So... Mm. While, while you're taking the picture, just an introduction on what we're about to read. Mm-hmm. This is the second section of Tanya. It's a separate book. The second section of Tanya is referred to as Shar The Gate of Faith and Unity. And it discusses all about what faith in God is. And actually, what, it, it's the second section of Tanya, but it was actually written first. And... Yeah, it was it was actually written first, and, and one of the proofs to that is throughout the book he writes, "as I will write," referencing the first section of Tanya, um, implying that it actually came first, but he put it second. Um, the difference between the first and section, second section of Tanya, the section we're learning now, we're trying to discover God within ourselves. The second section of Tanya is all about discovering God within the world at large. Uh uh-huh. Here, if you, if you click the, here, let me see. I don't know if I did what you
1: yeah. want to make. Click
0: read. the picture and then send or it
1: put it. There. I'm just, the WhatsApp it. Link just up all Share all it to WhatsApp. Here, one second. John's. On the Tanya cloud. Oh, yeah, share it to the Shall link for the Tanya, Tanya
0: cloud. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was going Just yeah. share it on the, I don't know what Tanya I just Tanya did class. to your phone. <laughs> <laughs> okay, First I might have destroyed your phone. No. <laughs> no.
2: Is that a, is that a? It's a droid. I can do it for you. I have a droid. You know what it is. She knows
1: Tanya cloud very well.
0: Well, okay, let me see right. if I can do it with there my phone. Is, you have it. Yep.
1: Same. Everybody's gonna have it. There we go. I've got it in front of you. Now you got it on your phone too. Make sure. Okay. There you go, John. You should have it through the WhatsApp. Thank you, guys. I have yeah, got, got it on my watch.
0: Oh, that's so cool. But I
1: can't see it. <laughs> okay.
0: So, I got in it. the in the first section of the second section of Tanya, which discusses the unity of God and faith in Him. Um, okay, David, you want to volunteer and read for us? Text one?
2: Yeah. Um,
0: educate the child
2: according to his way. Even when he will be old, he will not depart from it.
0: So that's a verse in... Um, Where did I read that
1: before?
0: Somewhere in the scripture. <laughs> <laughs> you got okay. a
1: lot in your mind right
0: now. <laughs> okay. It is a well-known,
2: It is well known that fear awe, and love are the roots and foundations of the service of, I don't know. uh, Service of God. God. Okay. Fear is the root and basis of
0: refrain from evil and love of and do good. So if we have awe, we'll be motivated to not do what God, not to sin, because we have that, we respect the relationship. If we have love, we'll be motivated to do good.
1: Do own good.
2: Okay, so we're in. and do good, and the observance of all the positive commandments of the Torah and the rabbis as will be explained in their proper place.
0: Okay, so now the second paragraph is the answer to your question. Here, go for it. Oh, and the first
2: thing, oh, right there, uh, and the first thing which arouses love and fear and their foundation is the pure and faithful belief. In his unity and oneness, may he be blessed and exalted.
0: Okay, so in order to love, the, the foundation of our relationship with God, of our observance, is passion, is awe, is respect. And by the way, this is every relationship. The foundation, what, what keeps a relationship going, right, love and respect. But there has to first be faith. Before you love and respect someone, you have to know who they are right and same thing with God before we love and respect God which is the foundation of our service to him we have to know who he is and that's where faith comes in and that's why faith is not a particular mitzvah it's it's not a mitzvah it's more it's beyond mitzvahs it's it's super mitzvah it's it's like the
1: foundation of why we do the mitzvahs exactly it's it's like because it all all makes it happen because we believe right so if you don't believe you're really going to go to the trouble of doing all the things that you're... That you're right? I mean...
0: It, it's like, you know, the, it says in the Zohar that the 248 positive mitzvahs... There's 248 positive, 365 negative, equal amounting to 613. The 248 positive mitzvahs correspond to the 248 organs. 365 negative mitzvahs, the don'ts, correspond to 365 sinews and veins. Really? So now, which mitzvah? Wow. So which mitzvah? And each mitzvah corresponds to a different limb. Because of that, you know, tefillin goes on the arm. But which mitzvah? Is, yeah, exactly. So which mitzvah is faith? It's
1: gonna be the heart, no?
0: Faith is neither of them because faith is not the body of the mitzvahs. Faith is the soul of the mitzvahs. Oh, wow. What like the faith? Vessel? In other words, what faith is? What your soul is to your body, is what faith is to a mitzvah. Does it make sense? Mm -hmm. What your soul is in relationship to your body, giving it life energy, that's what motivates, right? What motivates your body is your soul. What motivates a mitzvah, which is like a limb, which is like a body, but motivates physical observance, is the faith. Wow. There's a saying by Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, Lord Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, or Lord Dr. Rabbi Jonathan Sachs. He has a lot of titles. uh, He was the chief rabbi of Britain, of Great Britain. So he used to say that there's, you know, there's a tractate of Talmud that discusses all the mitzvahs. There's a tractate that discusses Shabbat. There's a tractate that discusses Passover and kosher and all these different things. Which tractate discusses faith? There's no particular tractate on faith. He says that's the siddur. That's the prayer, because that's where the soul, and that's why, by the way, davening, is not a specific mitzvah either. It's the soul behind the mitzvahs. It's the passion behind the mitzvahs.
2: So, did you say earlier tonight that faith is inherent? Yeah. You you started with that, right? Yeah.
0: Okay. I, I, so
2: exactly. So, if you so, don't have
0: faith, something is blocking your inherent. Exactly. So, it's, it's so there's no such thing as a Jew not believing. There's a Jew not practicing. Practicing. There's a Jew not internalizing that belief. If this, not not understanding that he believes.
1: If the if davening isn't a mitzvah, so the it's, a, it's the prayers are an obligation.
0: It's an ob- right. just like faith. Uh-huh.
2: There are. So the prayers give you energy. What's the Jews who proclaim themselves to give you a soul. the atheists.
0: So like every Jew, Jew believes, soul, right? Because they have the faith, but they haven't. They don't okay. have knowledge. Means they don't understand that they either they don't understand that they really do believe or they don't feel that they believe. You could, if you tell me I don't believe, I'm going to be obnoxious and I'll say, Yes, you do, and we'll get into a fight. <laughs> if you tell me I don't feel that I believe, then you can't fight because they'll can't say, I, Exactly, I'll say, Okay, I agree. I, that's valid, that's very valid. You don't feel that you believe, but what faith is. You, you have a soul. You have that connection. That's what faith is. And like we said last week, it's sleeping. And the goal of Tanya is to inspire us to somehow wake up that faith so a test doesn't have to wake up the faith. We can wake up the faith on our own. And we'll, we'll soon we'll soon navigate and segue towards there.
1: So that in the prayer
0: is just like the cough for the soul? Yeah. I enjoy coffee so much. <laughs> Our goal in this section of Tanya is not to create faith, but to just wake it up.
1: Is Something that, that We referred George? to
0: this last week as the spirit, well, what do we call it? The spirit of folly, the, the the delusional spirit. Delusional. There's this delusional spirit that kind of masks our faith, that kind of blinds us. The faith is there and we're kind of just, it, we're blinded. Right? We have our animal soul, we have our animal tendencies. We have our instinctual, natural self. But behind all of that, we do have faith. Now, all I did right now is just explain why faith is important, but we didn't explain what faith is. What does it mean to believe in God? Belief in God doesn't just mean that he exists. When I believe in you, it doesn't mean I believe you exist. (laughs) Because I don't need to believe that God exists. You can get there logically. You could debate it logically as well. But theoretically, a logical person can accept the existence of God, and he doesn't have to be a believer.
1: I think I read that it said that without God, there wouldn't be anything else.
0: So believing in God means, we say every day in the Shema. We say, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. God is one. We don't say that there's one God. We say God is one. And there's a huge difference, an important difference. One God means there's one and not two. But God is one means that He is literally the only one, the only thing that exists. And that's what we're getting at in this chapter. The shift that we're making in this chapter is it's a shift from God is that there's one God in heaven who created a world to God is the world. Everything we know is and everything that we observe it. It's really just an expression of him. It's really just him. Right? It's all just him. It's like, and we'll give several analogies. Let's take a look on 234. How could everything be God if what we see is not God, we see a world? How does that work?
2: Every perspective that we've got is part of us that makes us.
1: Everything is. Because the stuff that we see is tangible.
0: in other words, our our perception or perspective is a creation of God as well.
1: Perception is reality. It's our reality. Everybody has their own perception, but it is reality to them.
0: Their their reality. Right. We spoke about in the past that there's subjective reality and there's objective reality. What's the difference between the two? Subjective reality is real, but it's real to you. Objective reality is not... Doesn't matter if we believe in God or not Because he's there Now we have that feeling Deep down inside But, but he is there <laughs> Belief in God means A number of years ago About 3-4 years ago I was When I was a hospital chaplain I was living in the valley And I used to have to drive to the city In Los Angeles And you know LA traffic
1: 405.
0: And when you're sitting in traffic, 405, this is actually 101, I, I think this was not as bad, but it was pretty bad. You do a lot of thinking, <laughs> right? Especially, I was giving Tanya classes back then in somebody's home and I was preparing and I used to do a lot of thinking and I was trying to rack my brain. There's belief in God, there's trust in God. What exactly am I believing in? What exactly am I trusting in? How do we define these two things? What are the differences between the two? I wrote an email to my rabbi back in New York. I said, "What's? Can you please explain, define faith, trust, and explain the difference between the two?" And he's a busy guy. I wasn't necessarily expecting a whole. A week That's later, a, a week later, he gets back with a huge email that he typed up. Personally. For <laughs> yeah. <No. laughs> and huge email. I'm, I'm. Remind me. I'm happy to share the email with you. I still have it somewhere. And he explained his, his his definitions based on his understanding of Tanya and other sources of what faith is, what trust is. And there's one line that popped out that, that always stuck with me. And he says, faith doesn't mean that I believe God exists because then I wouldn't be a believer, I'd be a philosopher. Mm. Faith means that God is relevant. If God merely exists, I got there with my mind. And if I get there with my mind, I'm not a believer, I'm just a philosopher. And I write about books about God, I close the book and I do what I want. (laughs) Because it's in a book, it's intellectual, it's a philosophy. But if God is relevant, the book, the philosophy is helping me get there, helping me understand that, helping me perceive that. But he's relevant, he's part of my life. He's part of every aspect of my life. That's real faith. To have that real faith, it's important to understand that God is not in heaven looking down at us, but God is very much present and part of every aspect of the world because He created it. And like we say over here, page 234, in the middle, for for the cause by which the upper and lower worlds have come into being, something from nothing and through which they continue to be energized and sustained into existence so that they don't revert to be null and void, we'll explain soon, as they were previously, is nothing other than God's word, the breath of his mouth. Existence comes through his word, through speech.
1: I like the other one. Because in his friends, everything is considered zero.
0: Everything's co- Literally considered...
1: Literally as if it was null and void.
0: So, so the analogy that he actually gives in the second section of Tanya is you have the sun rays. The rays of the sun... Are incredibly powerful. Right when the sun's beating on you, what do you say? The sun is out. The sun is hot, yeah. but you don't feel the sun. You're feeling the rays of the sun, and you're calling it the sun. Oh. But the reality is, the rays of the sun, relative to the sun. In other words, from our perspective, those rays are very powerful. But if you were to go to the sun's perspective, right? We learn to have empathy, and we learn to see things from the way the sun does we take a trip to the sun, and we look at it from the sun's perspective, those rays are irrelevant. Those rays don't matter. Not because they're unimportant, not because they're not strong, not because they're not functional. Because it's part of something much larger than itself. And that's the reality with God. To be part of something larger than ourselves, which is God, you don't have to go to heaven for that. Like like it says in the introduction to Tanya, this matter is very close to us. It's right within ourselves. It's right in this world because every aspect of the world. How did God create the world? God said, "Let there be light." There was light. God said, "It's you all part of His into, speech." Into, yeah. And His speech. What is His speech relative to Him? Well, what is a what is your speech relative to you?
2: It's.
0: So I'll I'll give you the, the in, an extension of. I'll give you an analogy you have a dollar bill or you have a hundred dollar bill it's a lot of money but what is that hundred dollar bill worth relative to a machine that prints money what is the value of that hundred dollar bill
1: negligible
0: negligible it doesn't really matter right. the hundred dollar bill does have value to it but relative to the machine that prints money
1: so that God can do anything.
0: So so let's compare it. He gives this. A, he gives the analogy here, but he gives a different analogy, but it's similar. And and this is on page two thirty five. He gives the analogy of speech. The bottom of two thirty five. You have speech. You have a, You said something. But take that word, and compare it to your ability to produce more words. Your ability to speak. What is that one word worth?
1: insignificant
0: right and relative to your potential to speak whether to your ability to produce unlimited amount of words those words are negligible those words are nothing right so god creates the world with speech but relative to his ability just like us to con- constantly speak relative to the speaker what is the word what is the world worth Right? You produced a $100 bill, but you have a machine that produces money. So God produced speech. He created the world with speech. He said, and there was, and how that exists, that itself is a miracle and, and a whole class within itself. But let's let's just take that for granted for now. That what God says happens. Right? He's a man of His word. So when He said, let there be light, light existed. Let there be a heaven and an earth, heaven and earth existed. These were all speech. It's just speech, though. Relative to his ability to speak, what is that speech, a.k.a. creation, existence worth? It's negligible, right?
2: But then we're making ourselves negligible. So, what?
0: okay. We are insignificant when it comes to the big picture. But it's showing how
2: powerful it is is and how you
0: have to have faith to belong to this bigger thing. Okay, very very valid point. But
2: it's kind of like, you know what? You, where you're at, that's God's problem, because he's got so much power and so much everything, but you can't
0: get, I mean, we're negligible. So, I'll, I'll, it's a very valid point, but, but, uh, but I, let, let's look at it the other way for a moment. Yeah. The point is not to, to, to break, to burst our bubble necessarily. Okay. <laughs> it's for, it's two things. Number one, we're part of something much larger than ourselves.
1: Yes.
0: That's number one. Number two... It shows how relevant God is to every aspect of our life, yeah. because God is not standing from afar looking down at us. Mm-hmm. Part of us, every part of our existence, the tape, everything, is an expression of Him. Mm-hmm. And that's why let, let's take a look over here in text two.
1: That has something to do with our ability to do mitzvah. Something okay, well, we'll the, tie it in. that the angels can't do it, and. We can, we'll, and that's why we... Yeah.
0: We'll, we'll tie it in. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll tie it in. Um, <laughs> so God... So in order for God to know the... If, if everything is really just an expression of Him, mm-hmm. what does it take for God to know us?
1: He really
0: knows us. He knows us because we are an expression of Him. Yeah. He just has to know Himself. So God doesn't have to be far away in heaven looking down at us. He's, so part of our dream. he's part of our life. So the reason why and we how us being negligible is actually healthy for our self-esteem, self if we're not negligible, we're just an independent existence, God looks down at us because He's in heaven. But what we're saying right. is that He's not in heaven. He's, right. he's a part of us. And just by knowing Him, He knows ourselves. He knows us. He knows existence. Now we don't see it that way. What we see is... And we feel independent and we, somewhere out there, there's a God, right? But actually, so we'll read the next two texts. Number one, text number two, I'm sorry, from the second section of Tanya. By knowing himself, he knows all created things. Where are you? uh, Sorry, sorry. uh, We're on our sheets here. We're, We're on the sheet here. Text two. By knowing himself, he knows all created things since all come from Him and are nullified in relation to Him. So how does He know existence? Just by knowing Him. As Maimonides of Blessed Memory stated, that He is the knower, He is the known, He is the knowledge itself. They're all one. So when it comes to you and me, there's who you are and there's what you know. Right? They say it's not who you know, what you know, it's who you know. It's two separate things. There's who you are and there's what you know. But for God... He created the concept of knowledge, and it's all a part of him. right? This is beyond the power of speech to express, that's why it's faith, beyond the capacity of <laughs> you to hear and the heart of man to apprehend clearly. For the Holy One, blessed be he, his essence and being, his knowledge are all absolutely one. What he knows, who he is, it's the same thing. All he has to do to know you and me is just know himself. Now for us to know ourselves, that's hard. <laughs> it's a life journey. For God to know Himself, it's very But
1: that's a mitzvah to
0: know ourselves. Yes, yes. But it's a I don't know if it's a mitzvah, it's specific mitzvah, it's a need. Mm-hmm. It's, for friend, de- it's definitely need to, to require definitely friend, it, friend, it's it's yeah. definitely a need, for sure. Um, okay. So, so far are we with me?
2: Mm. Pretty much.
0: Pretty much, okay. It's a little foggy? No. It's good. We're good.
2: You know the essence.
0: So, in other words, the point is... It's all a matter of perspective, bottom line. And the point in Tanya, and especially this particular section of Tanya, is actually just to give us a glimpse into God's perception. Into the, God, into the divine soul's perception.
1: It's interesting that we just little negligible us are trying to see God's perception.
0: That's a very good point. That's That's bottom line. That's the point of that's (laughs) the point of creation.
1: I mean, we're we're anticipating or or trying to understand something that's so much bigger than
0: So so that bottom line you know, you could ask why did God create any other perception other than his? So a perception like ours, an animal soul perception, a perception that seems independent, can appreciate his perception that's beautiful. Or in more simple lingo, so this world could be a dwelling place for him. (laughs) This world could be a dwelling place for him, not just on a physical level, but even an emotional and intellectual level, and on a spiritual level. So... Text three. This is from a discourse, a teaching, of of the um, of the previous Lubavitcher, Um from the celestial world's perspective. So, if you were to take a trip to heaven and see a heavenly, a divine perspective, godly reality is taken for granted, while the notion of independent existence is novel. The fact that there's a world out there, the fact that there is lust out there, the fact that there's all these negative traits, the fact that there's anything that seems to be independent from God, that's like, really? Can't believe it. Why bother? It, it just, it, it's, just not an, it's just not a thing, right? But from the celestial world's perspective, from our perspective, it's the exact opposite. The notion of independent existence is taken for granted while godly reality is novel. And the same applies to the animal and, and godly soul. From the, anim, from the godly soul's perspective, the reality of God, His commandments, His mitzvahs, but His overwhelming presence in this world, because He created everything and everything's just a part of Him, is just so obvious. How could I not do the right thing? And the fact that there's this animal soul that wants other stuff, I just don't get it. Right? It just doesn't make any sense. And for the animal soul, it's the exact opposite. Of course, I'll do what I want. I'm an individual. And individuals do what individuals want to do. And if I have my own feelings, my own lusts, my own desires, my own direction in life, I'll do it because, and the fact that there's some God out there telling me what to do, that's novel. So it's all a matter of perspective. And in order to gain this faith, to have faith in God, we have to have this perspective change this perspective shift and try to be open to seeing things from the divine soul perspective what we referred to this as in chapter 18 and 19 is the chachmah. because what's Chachma? inquiry being open to something larger <coughs> or so, so in this simple is terms humility us about the larger so that we can have the khachma. yes and then yeah in other words the in, in in Kabbalah, you have the idea of the small world, which means the person. And you have the large world, which is the world we live in. And these two worlds are correlated. And discovering God within, and just like within ourselves, the small world. The way we discover God is by digging deep within ourselves, is like what we're doing in Tanya. The way we discover God within the world is not by leaving the world and looking in heaven, but by discovering Him within the world, because He's within the world. The analogy that's often brought in Hasidic philosophy, for God, the world being part of God, he's constantly creating it. If he's constantly creating it, it's dependent on him. So first of all, where did it come from? It came from him, right? But God didn't just create the world 5,000 whatever years ago and walk away. He's constantly creating it. And the analogy that's brought is you take a ball, or a rock, okay. Are you oh, red in inside? Of course I do Okay, good. Ready. You take a rock, you take a stone, you throw it in the air, and the rock is rising, or the ball is rising, 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 rising. What's causing it to rise? It there's that there's that energy, there's that force, there's that thrust. And that ball will only stop, or I don't know if it will stop or come down, whatever it is. When the energy, when the thrust, when the force stops, it's only going up because of that thrust. It's dependent on the thrust. And the same thing is with the existence of the world. The world constantly exists because there's a thrust, a divine energy that's constantly, which is referred to as the speech of God, which we'll talk about more later, or maybe in next lesson. There's this speech of God which is constantly creating it. Now, Keeping it in if existence. you, when, when from the perspective of the guy throwing the rock, or observing somebody throw the rock, it's pretty obvious that the rock's flying because there's some sort of thrust behind it. But let's say you threw that rock really far, and it's traveling for hundreds, thousands of years. And you were born on that rock, it's a really big rock. You were born in that rock. You would never know that you're dependent on somebody else's thrust because this is just normal, right? Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing with existence. We're born into this world. We're born with an animal soul perspective. And without learning, we'll never know that the world is really dependent on God and really just an expression of Him and everything that exists is just Him.
1: It's really funny. You're making me think of that saying, that cliche saying. And so what, did you, what do you think? The world revolves around you?
0: Exactly. <laughs> well, the world is flat if you don't believe in God. Exactly, the world is flat. <laughs> <laughs> Even
1: if you do believe in God, because you're sitting on this place. Otherwise you'd be The
2: universe life. is flat if you don't believe in God. <laughs> just fall off the end of the universe.
1: There
0: you go. <laughs> so, so our point here is to illustrate that faith in God means not merely that He exists, that's just philosophy, <coughs> Me, Faith sorry. means that everything that God is existence. Everything we know that exists is really just an expression of Him. And there's two outcomes of that. Number one, our existence is negligible. We should feel great about ourselves because we're humble. We're part of something much larger. Number two, because our existence is negligible, God is so relevant to our lives. Because everything is really just Him. Right. Very often in life we get frustrated over situations, but it's really just him. Everything is just him. Everything that exists is just him. It's like the it's like the baby light bulb says to the mother light bulb, "I don't think I believe in electricity." And the mother says, "What do you mean? But there is electricity." Yeah, but I don't believe in it. Well. Okay. Okay, but but it's there. <laughs> That's how you exist. That's your ex- Everything is like... Elect- that current is everywhere. Try unplugging yourself. You'll see, <laughs> right? Or it won't work.
2: That's a good thing to try and plug, and then you'll see that 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 you've got connections
1: The the analogy goes much further than just a light bulb.
0: Yeah. Yeah, if you a,
1: want to pretend or you want to live a life that is, that you're so independent that nothing, you have nothing to base anything on, you, you have you, when when something comes out of left field, how will you ever deal with it?
0: Yeah, yeah. So, so the point of this lesson, and we'll conclude with his analogy, the analogy that he gives, are. Spe- One word relative, just like the world was created with speech, right? So we're just in God's words, if you will. Take one word and compare it to your ability to speak. Negligible. Compare that one word that you said relative to your feelings. Feelings don't have a language, right? Feelings are universal. Negligible.
1: Is it a beetle? beetle, Bittle, right? The, the idea of Bitzel,
0: being part we're negligible, sorry. but not in a negative way. In a, in a way where we're part of something larger. And that thing that we're part of that we're part of because we're negligible, it's so relevant to us.
1: But it is bitzel because we because we don't we 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 all it all comes together, we don't stand apart from it. Yeah. So in, yeah. in that pot we all become yeah. soup.
0: Now again, this perspective is very unnatural because there's this big flying stone with the thrust behind it, and we're born on that stone. We're born into a perspective that that, that that's um,
1: stone is earth. If that would other
0: godly, right? That's this earth. That's this not earth, but the world in general, the universe, wow. the existence. Existence is dependent on the creator. You know, in other sort um, places in, in Hasidic teachings that explains the reason why, you know, if bottom line, we're so dependent, why do we feel so independent?
2: Um, I have a question. You know, you know, when there's a developmental stage where you and when you're like maybe 20 or 19, 20, somewhere there, that you are altruistic and you're going to change the world and you're going to make a difference. And then all of a sudden you kind of like realize, but you know what, you're just this little insignificant something and it's a developmental thing that you're actually just part of a greater, like, whatever. So isn't this helping you get to that point where you kind of just, um, you're no longer going to change the world, you're going to be part of it?
0: Well, think about it this way. If the existence, of, if the reality of my existence, even though I don't see it that way naturally, I have to, and that's why it's faith, but the reality of my existence is all God, yeah. then... What I should be living for is for my mission, whatever God wants me to do,
1: that's what right?
0: If we want to become more purpose oriented, rather than, then one way is to realize that if everything is God and that's the reality of my existence, then that's what I really need to be doing in life. Um, one of the reasons why we feel so independent though, yeah. two explanations. One explanation is, I mean, we have this animal soul perspective that we're born into. And like we said, the godly soul perspective is novel. It's like really this, but but another explanation yeah. is, Wait. and we'll conclude with this. I'm trying to get. I'm trying to build suspense. Yeah, yeah, you are
1: building suspense. Go.
0: The essence of God. If you have one, if you want to boil down, uh, describe the essence of God in one word. Independence. God is the only thing that is independent. We feel independent because deep down we're so godly. Deep down we all have this faith. This faith that we have in the reality and the existence of God is so part of us that we almost feel like Him. You know like some people, they don't get along because they're so similar? We're so similar to God that we feel that we have a reflection of His independence. Whereas an angel feels dependent on God. Not as godly. It's counterintuitive.
1: And that's why... that is that why we say things like we're made in the image of God? And then yes. that kind of thing? Yes. Yes.
0: Huh. Exactly. We're made in the image of God. So
1: this all just ties up you I mean, I swear there's going to be a bow in the book at some point in time. Because everything you've I've ever learned seems to puff up in this book. <laughs> Does that mean a spiritual image, not a physical
0: image? So image, not meaning the face, but the quality. Just like God is independent, we share that quality of independence, but we feel independent because we're a reflection of His true essence. And His true essence is His ultimate presence because He is everything. And everything is Him.
1: That's why we feel so all-important when we have to keep all those balls in the air, because He's also always keeping everything going. Without Him, we wouldn't have anything
0: yeah, yeah, and it, it, so now we'll tie this into mitzvahs eventually. But we started off discussing how our passion for God is often awakened by tests. And that's only when it's relevant to our faith. How do we get our, How do we make our faith relevant, not just to our Jewish identity, but relevant to any mitzvah, any observance? Circle that question, we'll get there. But first we need to understand that the reality of God is that He is everything. And our existence is negligible, which shows how relevant he is. And the analogy, and this is an important analogy because we're going to touch upon it next week, the analogy of speech. One word relative to your ability to actually produce hundreds or thousands or unlimited words, that word is negligible. God created the world through speech. That, so that world is negligible to him, which shows how present and relevant he really is. That's my story and I'm sticking to it.
2: It's over.